going on, y'all? It is your girl, Brie Undeniably, checking in for another episode of my new speaker series, Deep Conversations with Dope Individuals, where we're discussing development, decision-making, and dedicating yourself to purpose. Uh, I am here with a super dope individual, but before I get to who I'm here with, uh, y'all know sometimes I get super excited and try to do my shout-outs in the beginning, forget, do them in the end. I'm I'm here. I'm conscious of doing my shout-outs right now. So um, first and foremost, shout-out to Gotham Podcast Studio. They are awesome, always hooking it up with the space, the audio and the visual. Super thankful to be recording here. So if you are watching on YouTube, you'll see the space we're in. If you're listening to the Crystal Claire audio, shout out to Gotham. Um, I also love to shout out MC Kicks. Even though I am not wearing anything MC Kicks today, they are always hooking it up with merch for me, um, always showing me support. So I really appreciate it appreciate them. You can find them at E-M-C-E-E-K-I-C-K-S on Instagram and basically anywhere else. Um, Okay, so uh, we are back for another episode. I am here with dope individual Michelle Balama. Michelle, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So happy to have you here. So Let me give Michelle the introduction that she deserves. Uh, Michelle is a youth development specialist and professional tennis coach with 12 plus years of experience and has worked with over 5,000 young people in the New Jersey, New York area. She is the creator of the course College Ready Recruit, which prepares high school students for college, improves that mental performance and helps them secure scholarships. She is also the founder and CEO of She Leads Sports LLC, which is an organization that empowers girls to become productive women through sports-based activities. I love that so much. We'll (laughs) definitely talk about it. (laughs) Um, And on top of that, she recently started a nonprofit organization called We Lead Sports Incorporated that provides free or low-cost tennis mentoring and college readiness programs to under-resourced youths in New Jersey. Welcome, Michelle Balama. Thank you so much, Bree. Thank you for having me. I am so, so happy to have you here. Uh, I'm just going to slide my laptop over the side here. (laughs) We won't be needing that today. Um, So as I like to, you know, get to know you a little bit more. Um, In the counseling community, we always like to meet our clients where they're at. Mm -hmm. Um, It really just, you know, as counselors helps us figure out exactly where you are and where we have to go from there. Mm -hmm. I like to do the same with um, my guests because I think it's really important for listeners to understand where you're at. So help us meet you where you're at and tell us a little bit more about yourself. All right. Uh, without going into too much details, <laughs> um, I actually, so pretty much my introduction says it all. Um, but I actually grew up in West Africa. I'm from Liberia, West Africa. That's where I was born. Uh, my parents were pastors, so I had had the opportunity to travel throughout uh, West Africa mostly. Wow. Um, so we went through different countries building churches, building homes for those in need. So I got a chance to travel. Every year I was in a different country in a different school, which wow. was very interesting. I remember in third grade, I we went to a, um, another country, but it was a French country. And we had to go to a French school. We had no idea what was happening. Oh, <laughs> so wow. those were interesting, uh, interesting times when we just like, okay, we just had to go with the flow but that was very much um something that drived me that made me who i am today Mm -hmm. um 
So as we traveled throughout the continent of Africa, my father had the opportunity to come to the U.S. Um, years later, he brought us over. While after he came over and built, um, he built a church in Trenton, New Jersey, and mm-hmm. he was able to bring us here. Um, unfortunately, we came a year later. He passed away. Um, so, so sorry things kind of thank you. Things kind of unraveled from there. It was as if we were like dumped in a strange land knowing nothing literally nothing so it was myself and my my mother myself and three other siblings mm-hmm. um we pretty much had to figure out everything on our end because we didn't know anyone we didn't know how to manage ourselves in the country our dad was here six years before we came in oh. so um at age 14 we we're i'm here just kind of trying to figure things out on my own, um, along with my family, but really kind of just where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. Um, So eventually um, I found tennis. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I got to high school, I found tennis because I needed to get into college. I wanted, I knew my family couldn't afford college, of course, Um, being where we were at that point. You know, we went through a lot of struggles with the church. I mean, the church my dad built here. Uh, We went into a lot of debt, into uh, people suing us for things we didn't really understand. Um, So financially, things were not great. Um, So I knew I had to find a way to get into college or to get a better education. Um, So one day I went to my guidance counselor in in high school, and he said, oh, you need a resume. Why don't you go and get a resume? Put, put, Put a resume together and then come back to me. So I did what I could. I wrote down a list, not really a resume, but whatever I thought I had um, interest in or that I was actually participating at that time in high school, uh, brought a list to him. He was like, well, this looks okay. You're a good student, but you need um, extracurricular activities. You need something like a sport to set you apart. Uh Um, So I played tennis in in, in PE class once or twice, and I kind of liked it. So I decided, you know what, let me just try tennis and see where it goes from there. I had no intentions of of becoming anything in the sport, I just thought it would be a good thing to uh, to have on my resume. Um, so fast forward, I decided to join the tennis team. My first time playing tennis was insanely horrible. I had no idea how to <laughs> score. Okay. Um, it was just insanely bad. And I'm a very competitive person by nature. I thought I would never play tennis again if I have to play this badly. So I need to do everything possible to become a better tennis player. So I decided to start practicing on the tennis wall. Um, I will practice in the morning, early in the morning before school. I will practice during during our regular practice time. And then after practice, I will stay and continue to hit on the wall. Of course, when you're new to, to a sport, no one really wants to play with you because you're not as good. You're not a challenge. So I kind of had to figure it out on my own and just play by myself until I kind of made my way to becoming able to hit around with, you know, the other players. Mm-hmm. Um, I also got the opportunity to um, participate in this organization called NJTL. There is a, it's considered National Junior Tennis and Learning. It's actually a, a nationwide organization mm-hmm. under the United States Tennis Association. So they are all over the, all over the country. They have branches everywhere. Um, so the Trenton branch, took me in and kind of taught me a little more about tennis. I met this really great coach who um, he would 
just give me extra lessons. And he loved African food. So <laughs> I had I didn't obviously I couldn't afford to pay him. So my mom would cook for him uh, every week. It's just so he can give me extra lessons. And because of that, I started to become better. Um, and I just got into the sport. I started winning matches, winning tournaments. I started seeing my name in the newspaper. I was just like, what is going on? Coaches started to like look at me like, who is this girl who never picked up a racket before? Wow. And now she's winning matches. She's winning tournaments. So from there, things kind of just um, took off. And I started becoming more invested and involved in the sport. Then I decided, listen, I can play. I can actually play tennis in college and get money for this. Um, as The more I spoke to coaches, the more I saw opportunities in the sport, especially for um, Af African-American girl. There were more opportunities mm -hmm. um, in tennis because tennis was not – you didn't have that many African-Americans or uh, or other races in the sport. Mm -hmm. So they were like, many coaches were like, we have money. We just have money here. We, If you <laughs> decide to come, we have money, especially because you would be the only African-American on our team. Yeah. That makes it even better. Um, so I had so many opportunities to choose from. Luckily, I was more invested in my education because I know where I come from and I really didn't want to um, sell myself short. Mm -hmm. I wanted to focus on getting a good education and making my mom proud of me. So I decided to go to a D3 school, which is not, you don't really receive um, athletic scholarship for, but you do get a lot of financial aid. Okay. So um, I went to a school, I studied economics. I really wanted to focus on my education. Um, I started on the team as number four. And I'm like, I cannot be number four. <laughs> I have to be the best. That determination. <laughs> um, just something about not being the best didn't sit well with me. Um, so I came back the, the summer of my freshman year, decided to practice even more. My mom was cooking double the amount for this guy <laughs> to coach me. Um, but I, I, I would practice six hours a day, every day for the entire summer. By the time I got to... Back to college, my sophomore year, I beat everyone. Well, we had challenge matches. Mm -hmm. So I had challenged everyone, beat everyone, and I became number one. Uh, and from there, I just kept, I staked a number one. I started winning more tournaments, more matches. Um, I became two-time MVP on the team, and I became the captain of the team. My senior year, we won championship in probably 30-something years in uh, the school history. I was actually the first woman um, at, the, at Drew, Drew University True. is where I went. I was the first woman to win this tournament called the NJAIAW, and it's more is for all girls in New Jersey, not just D3, but all, D, all divisions. Um, so that was Whoa. my proudest moment uh, ever, and it was my senior year I won that tournament. And again, I'm in history at Drew. I was the first woman to win the NJAIAW tournament. So that's incredible. Yes. So, so fast forward, everything really just worked out for me. Tennis became my purpose. Where you know, speaking mm -hmm. about purpose, tennis, I realized was a a place for me. That's where God needed me to be. Mm -hmm. Even though I kind of stumbled upon it, but it, it it didn't really matter. It doesn't matter how you find it. Right. It matters when you find it mm -hmm. and how what you do to sustain it and maintain it. Um, so luckily, I was able to get a good education. I studied economics. I went back to grad school um, at Drew, and mm -hmm. I was assistant coaching while going to school. Um, and I got my master's in creative writing as well. 
worked on Wall Street for a year and a half. I hated it, came back <laughs> to tennis, decided I will get more involved and invest in tennis. So from there, I started working for nonprofit organizations, running tennis programs, managing um, nonprofits pretty much, working with under-resourced kids uh, and making sure that they have the opportunities that I had mm-hmm. as well. Um, and from there... Fast forward to today, now I, as as the intro said, now I'm more invested in creating something that um, I, I know will be beneficial for those people, those kids, young kids who didn't don't have the opportunity or have the opportunity but don't know how to find it yeah. or know, don't know how to um, market themselves, I would say, market themselves to be seen by the best coaches and colleges, but also market themselves to get into a good um, college and get a good education. So that's pretty much what I'm about right now, uh, making sure that I continue to give the the young people what I receive and, and even more. I love that. I mean, it, it, you really are paying it forward, but it, in exactly the way that it's like you you want others to have those that same opportunity that you had. And mm-hmm. it's almost you want to um, empower them with that because yeah. that's how you were empowered in Absolutely. so many ways. I think that's so incredible. Um, and thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, there is a lot of power behind um, you know, what, what you, what you told us about your life and growing up and sort of how, you know, you had a lot of family changes really quick. And then with the passing of your father, also you being in a totally new country, a totally new world, what it must've felt like, um, you, you, had your development journey, so to speak, Mm -hmm. to where you're at started probably sooner than you had planned on yes definitely um yeah please yeah so i i because when i realized that i was good at tennis i automatically decided to start teaching Mm. so when i got involved in the njtl program they had opportunities for young people to mentor the younger ones right so even though i was participating i became a junior staff Mm -hmm. so i was teaching the babies (laughs) Uh, yeah that was my favorite part and of course they say when you teach you learn even more so um i was using my teaching skills to understand certain techniques that i didn't fully understand Mm -hmm. And that really helped my game. It helped build my game. It helped me listen more to my coach yeah. because I was putting myself in the shoes of the children. Yes. Right. So it just worked out so well. And and ideally, because I grew up in a family that loved helping mm-hmm. and loved giving back, it was just a natural thing for me to start teaching others what I knew. Um, so it started from coaching, um, coaching the young people and then. In co- when I graduated college, I was hired as an assistant coach to coach the same team. It was a little weird because there were some uh, players that were on the team with me. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and now I was the assistant coach. They're like, oh, you're, this is not going to work. But it, it did work because they saw how well the team was when I was there. So everyone really were enthusiastic about me being around. So the development process did start early, and it was great because I – I had an opportunity to learn so much at an early age, which is why now I feel like I have a, a pool of knowledge yeah. to give. Um, and I'm able to use my personal experience to help others. It's not like, oh, I learned this in school and I'm telling you what to do. It's like, this is exactly what I went through. I lived it. I understand mm-hmm. it fully. And the best way to teach a mentor is to use your own experience. 
Absolutely. And I, I love that you, that you put it that way because it really is so true. There's, there's so much um, power and conviction in, in the experiences that you've gone through and being able to find a way to relay those messages that in an impactful way to yeah. others. Um, they're, they're really, it's unparalleled yeah. to teach in that way. Right. Um, and you have such an, like you said, like super altruistic background yeah. from, you know, seems like from when you were born, your right. family was giving back and, um, you know, doing different types of services in that way. And I, mm-hmm. so this, it, it seems like it was almost ingrained in you. And then yes. you realize like, hey, tennis is the vessel right. for me to be able to continue to give back what, right. what I desire to. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about it. And from listening to your story, I'm mm. thinking that it might be like around the college time, but when did you really realize that like tennis was it for you? Like that you were about to make a career out of doing things in the field of tennis? Um, it, it was probably, I would say my, when I, I got into college mm-hmm. and it was my sophomore year when okay. I when I started practicing six hours a day, Got when it. I came back and realized I don't want to be number four, yes, then I was like, oh, I'm taking this a little seriously than I thought. <laughs> um, but the fact that I was able to practice six hours a day made me realize this is a passion. Mm-hmm. This is something that comes naturally to me. And when I was on the tennis court, whenever I was on the tennis court, everything, it felt like home yeah. it felt like I that was a way of me coping even with the death of my father mm-hmm. because I was able to just block out everything and kind of see him watching me in a way like being proud of me and using this using that as a way to make him proud and to carry on in a way carry on his legacy yeah. which is interesting that we're having this conversation because years later his name his last name is still being said it's still it's still out there so in a small way I feel like I'm I'm still carrying on what he started, you know, mm-hmm. what he what what he taught me. I'm able to pass on to the next generation. That's so beautiful the way that you put it too. That you know, you you feel him watching you, and mm-hmm. it's in you know being a former tennis player, which you and yes, I discussed. Yes. We have a few crossovers here, um, having you know coached as well. Um, there is something really special about the sport, mm-hmm. about being on the court. It's just you and your thoughts yes. and your racket. And um, I can see how that can that can both be like a transcendent experience, mm-hmm. but also a way for you to just tune in. Right. You know, so um, I could definitely relate yeah. there for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So you you when you started getting super serious, you're like, okay, maybe you know, maybe this is something that I'm you know going to develop into mm-hmm. something larger, something yeah. outside of me. So, yeah. what was sort of the seed of the first? business you built from this or the first company that you started you know working on to to do something more so um I worked as I said I work with a lot of nonprofits. so I worked Mm -hmm. with I was actually hired by the NJT of Trenton okay to run their program department for some years Mm -hmm. and then um I later left and came to New York and I worked for New, uh, New York Junior Tennis and Learning for a while okay there I ran one of their programs in Queens and I realized I I started to work more with um, immigrant families Mm -hmm. and mostly families from like Guatemala like uh, North America Mm -hmm. and I realized that there were a lot of there was a 
mixture between the participation of girls and boys. Okay. Um, I started to get more boys in my programs than girls. And whenever I got girls, I will have them for a short amount of time. And so I started to think about it, like, what is happening here? Mm-hmm. Um, and as I speak to the parents, they were like, well, as soon as the child becomes um, between age 12 to 15, they have to take responsibility for their siblings or take responsibility in the household. Yeah. So okay. whether it's babysitting or getting a part-time job or something of that nature related to helping the family, um, they have to do it. So sport is not something on their radar. They cannot um, waste their, well, in other words, waste their time right. in after-school activities because they have other responsibilities. And that really hurt me because I'm mm-hmm. like there is there were so many talented girls in my program and it hurt me to see them leaving the program not willingly of course leaving the program because that was some that was a cultural thing and not just North Americans even African parents as well it's just a thing that uh, and not African American girls in general between ages 12 to 15 there is a statistics that girls drop out of sport more than boys mm. and it's because puberty hits in things happen they just they lose interest and they don't really have um, positive role models to look up to so if you see in a lot of schools you will see a lot of male PE teachers a lot Mm -hmm. of male coaches um, sport coaches a lot of them are male and a lot of us as women we go through the sport we're successful at it but then we go somewhere else we do something else so we're not really there to for the girls to look at to emulate Mm -hmm. Um, so when I saw that I realized that I needed to to do something I needed to start something that will help empower girls but use me as an example to say listen I did this I was successful at it you can do it too Um, so from there I decided to start She Lead Sports which Mm -hmm. is it it really empowers girls to become productive women by providing them the opportunity to um, understand who they are but also to understand their purpose Mm -hmm. right so the whole the whole goal is why am I on this earth like what why am I here? I was lucky to find my purpose sooner, and a lot of people are not. Right. So my goal in in creating She Lee Sports was to give girls the platform to figure out themselves early on and to keep them involved in something bigger than themselves so they can actually become successful, productive women. I love it. I think, I, like I said, that just that whole program, just the the – the guidelines of it, the philosophy that you have, I mean, it it, it truly is um, something that's not only necessary, but it seems like something that's been, you know, incredibly productive and powerful for the, you know, the girls that you yeah. have been able to bring into the program. Yeah. Um, and this was in, you said, tw- what year was this? 2019. 2019. Yes, okay. 2019, yes. Okay. So then from there you have since built other uh, successful businesses as well. Let's talk a little bit more about the continuing progression of of this development. Yeah, so so Shirley Sports started as like a, well, not a hobby, but I just started it based on what I knew. Mm -hmm. And I started to, through working with nonprofits, I had a chance to work with so many young people. Mm -hmm. So from there, I took all of the experience I had, I learned from those organizations and brought it into Shealy Sports. The more I worked with young girls, I realized, and the more I spoke to parents, I realized that a lot of parents are lost when it comes to helping their kids 
from between the high school area to the college area. A lot of them are busy, first of all. Mm -hmm. they Some parents are single parents. They have to find a way to feed multiple children. They don't mm -hmm. have the resources. or the, Even if the, the resources were there, they don't have time to sit down and figure out uh, how to do this because right. the college process is crazy it's as you know <laughs> I do, yeah. it's, a, it's a mess it's I crazy sure so do. if you don't have that dedicated parent pushing you it's very easy for a child to fall off mm -hmm. um, so as I spoke to more parents I realized and through my my um, participation with nonprofits I realized a lot of organizations have um, core programs like a sport or mentoring or something, but it's not really helping the parents. They're not really walking the parents through the college process. Mm -hmm. So uh, at the end of the day, it's up to the parent to decide or figure it out. Um, so from there, I realized I should create something to help walk parents through the process so they can understand how to keep their kids organized. Time management skills, something yes. very important in the high school area. Mm -hmm. How to stay confident, improve their mental performance. Because especially for the athletes, mental performance as a tennis athlete year is a big thing. Tennis is a mind 100%. game. 100%. And that's where every sport, but mostly I focus on tennis because that's my area. Mental development is something very important. So improving their mental skills, how to compete properly. A lot of kids can hit the ball really well, but when it's time to play a real <laughs> match, they're coming out the loser. And it's they're yes. like, why did I lose to that person? I can beat him or I can beat him. And I'm like, well, mentally, you weren't there. So improving yeah. their mental skills um, is something I wanted to focus on as well as finding college scholarships. So during my time of preparing for college, I applied. In my high school, my junior year, I applied to a hundred scholarships. That's Literally, incredible. I had to. And back then, it wasn't like where now they have common apps. They yep. have all these electronics that you can use. It was like writing essays for me wow. on paper wow. um, to a hundred different organizations. And out of that, I got $51,000 before I even got Goodness. into college. So I was like, I have all this experience. I did all these things by myself why not share it with everyone so part of the organization is part of the um the program is to help get get them scholarships help them um migrate through the process of getting either athletic scholarship academic scholarship or even extracurricular scholarship or all three of them put that together and create a big package for them mm -hmm. so um so this program is called college ready recruit and okay. it's pretty much to walk busy parents through the process and then focus on the children as well help them understand how to position themselves to be either seen by the right coaches or colleges or just making sure that they get into the right college and get the best education you know, I'm I'm listening to you and I'm I feel like I'm mapping your story in my head. And this is why I love doing the speaker series so much, because you told us your personal story mm -hmm. and it hearing what you're doing now, everything just makes so much sense because it's like you're identifying these gaps in places that you would have benefited from. And yeah. so because you see you have that personal experience in that growth piece that you carry with you and you still see it happening now, you're like, yeah. okay, let me take what I know and turn it into something that is purposeful, meaningful and and helpful for yeah. others. So yeah. I just think, um, you know, kind of, kind of laying that out and I, 
hearing your story, it really resonates because it's so much of the reason why I wanted to do this speaker series to begin with, Mm -hmm. you know, because our personal development is so intertwined with our professional development. And so often we bring in, or most often we bring in the pieces from our past, what we know, Mm -hmm. what we've learned, the decisions we've made, how we have gotten through X, Y, and Z phases in our life, and then take that and apply it so you can help others do the same. So just hearing with those two businesses alone, I mean, you you identified that there was definitely a gap for middle school aged mm-hmm. females yeah. to, you know, who weren't for X, Y, and Z reasons, you know, um, developing in sports or sticking with sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of took that and transitioned it into something so much more than just sports for females, which is great. And then the college readiness piece as well, something that you really very, uh, (laughs) very old school grinded out back in the day, like writing out scholarships. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, not only do I have this experience, but I know my experience earned me $51,000 to yeah. get to college on top of the fact that you did it in a way that's probably 10 times harder than uh-huh. what students are doing now. Yeah. So, you know, you took that, you spun it and you made something incredible out of it. So yeah. just had to give you your kudos and Thank just, you. yeah, map that out because I just, you know, it really is, um, you are such a testament to the series that I'm doing. And I just think bringing people's personal development stories to the forefront just show, um, you know, where they are at professionally just Mm -hmm. makes so much sense with your life story. So, um, okay. So we have now two businesses, (laughs) but there is another, correct? Yes. So let's go. So you did 2019, um, was your first one. And then this next one was at what time? Um, 2021. When was when did we 2020 pandemic hit March 2020? Yeah, so it was about July. Okay, between July and September 2020. Okay, and yeah. now we you have a third, right? So now I um th- so college ready recruit is kind of under she lead sports. It's okay, just is a program. Gotcha. Um, but then I realized as I worked with individual parents that my background is also nonprofit, mm-hmm. right? I'm all things nonprofit. I consider myself a nonprofit girl. Um, and my my goal is to help those who do not have the opportunity, mm-hmm. right? So when I started She Lee Sports, it was, I, I started to get clients or speak to parents that were able, um, which is great financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I realized what drives me, what wakes me up, why did I even get into nonprofit work in the first place? And it was to help those parents to see, to hear stories and testimonials from parents to say, oh, wow, I didn't have the, any way of doing this. If I didn't have your help, I would not have been able to get here, which was my story, really. If I didn't have certain people's help, I would not have been able to get to where I, I am now. So um, I wanted to provide something that is low cost, that is um, affordable to parents mm-hmm. um, looking for my service. So I decided to create a brother, I don't know if it was called sister company or brothers. Yeah. <laughs> we lead sports because also part of it was a a lot of 
male parents were like, oh, this is so great. Why can't you do this for our sons? <laughs> Got <laughs> and it. So I I had a lot of issues with the boys. and the yeah, parents were like, I was picking sides. So I'm like, okay, let me figure out how to legally um, help the male and female as well. Mm-hmm. So I decided to create a wheelie sports, which is for all of us, for everybody. Yes. But more, I wanted to focus wheelie sports on um, tennis development, mentoring, and college readiness. So not necessarily college like um, college recruitment because there's a slight difference. College recruitment will be playing us getting getting to college to play a sport. Okay. Um, and then college readiness is preparing you for either college or um, a career after high school. Mm-hmm. So um, and that's more into the nonprofit area. So I decided to create wheelie sports that will help the young people whether you want to play a sport or not help you understand how to get into college or how to manage yourself after high school Mm -hmm. I love that I think that um, the college readiness and the college preparedness piece is Mm -hmm. so so important Mm -hmm. Um, as you know we've spoke about this but another connection uh, well everyone on my podcast knows that I am a school counselor as well but um, in my internship back when I was in grad school I was a college counselor Mm -hmm. and the amount of work that even I had an an incredible um, supervisor who was the college counselor at the high school that I was working at, and mm-hmm. it was myself and another intern working under her and the, three very competent individuals. Mm-hmm. And there is there is no rest seriously for <laughs> college readiness, right. college preparedness. Right. Uh, you know, it, I know in that college counseling space, there is there is always something to do and Mm -hmm. always students to work with to help Mm -hmm. them whether it be with I I mean everything from uh, you know building a list resume building understanding what dorming is going to be like how do you just there's just so So much so so many pieces the scholarship piece I mean the the list goes on and on but um, the program that you're doing I think that it's so important especially that you're doing it as an nonprofit mm-hmm. entity as something that people can access in an affordable way right. because not every high school is fortunate to have a dedicated college counselor mm-hmm. or co- college counselor team yeah um, on top of the fact that college counselors aren't necessarily even have the capacity to do the readiness yeah. piece, they you know, when there's, if I have a cohort of 500 seniors yes. or juniors, you know, plus, cause you have to start in the junior year right. or even before. Even so, before, yeah, you know, it's, it, it really is, um, I, <laughs> the college readiness piece is a never ending. So the mm-hmm. fact that you are, um, bringing that to families mm-hmm. in an affordable way is, yeah. you know, and kind of, kind of, opening their eyes to that is so, so important because I don't think that there is anyone who really, you know, can say, hey, this is the checklist of things that that you need. And that's that. And even if they do, they will just give you a checklist as a parent and tell you, go and figure it out. Right. Now you're like, what am I doing with this list? So I get a lot of parents who are like, the, the counselors, especially in New Jersey, where the area I'm in, Mercer County, mm-hmm. there are some high schools that are so packed mm-hmm. that the counselor has over three, four hundred kids. Yeah. You can't really help every kid. Like, there is no way. And you want to know what's crazy? I, I'm just pulling from my grad school work, but in becoming a school counselor, the 
the recommended amount, and I, I might get this wrong, but I know it's less than 150. I believe the the in the American account, the American School Counselors Association (ASCA) mm-hmm. um, counselors shouldn't have more than, and like I said, the number is under 150. I believe it was 120 or 130, but mm-hmm. counselors shouldn't have more than the, that amount of students right. in their cohort to right. be able to actually have the capacity to do what they need to do. And even that number is pushing it. Pushing, yeah. But we but know schools, yeah, that's not the case. It's yeah. double, triple, triple. Even, yeah, absolutely. There is nothing. We can't even blame the counselors no. because that they can't. You, it's not humanly possible. Right. So there has to be others that are willing to take the step or at least hold these parents hands through the process. And if anything, just make sure the kids have some kind of direction. Absolutely. Um, um, and so that's why I start. I actually start as early as ninth grade. That's because great. Because if so you great. want to get into a great school by your sophomore uh, junior year, it's kind of too late, mm-hmm. really, because be now you have to take it. SATs. That you you have to. F- you can't miraculously create a fake grade. Your grades has to be up to par. Right. So if you don't start as, you mean some parents. I know in private schools, a lot of parents start in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. But in the community that I'm in, usually I advise parents to start as soon as ninth grade. Yeah. Because then you have a chance to to fix things that are wrong or find ways to be, create a better resume and, right. and have a better grade. And also to be able to speak to coaches if you're playing a sport or just speak to colleges and work it out. It's, it's a business. College is like a business. You have to negotiate your way through it. Right. Otherwise, you end up you know, losing out. And I, unfortunately, I've seen some kids who are very talented, but their parents are calling me now to help them um, fix their financial situation mm-hmm. in college. And I'm like, there is nothing I can do. You've already accepted the right. financial package that it is what it is. So my goal now is to prevent parents from calling me when their kids already <laughs> received a financial packet and it's right. not what they are looking for. And now they have to pay out of pocket. <sighs> so I was fortunate not to pay. I went to Drew, which was a $55,000 a year school. I didn't pay a cent for four years. I kind of got my debt through grad school. I don't know why. <laughs> I went back to grad school, but it's okay. It wasn't much. But I didn't pay one cent because my scholarships, financial aids, they were all, they all covered me. I even used, I used to get money back. Um, it just kind of pissed it off away because, yeah. because I didn't really know any better. But um, I will get uh, refunds because I had so much money given to me. Wow. And that's my goal to really get these kids understanding how to get there and it's possible absolutely and I think you know I I I love that you said you're starting from ninth grade Mm -hmm. and even you know some private schools will start at eighth but it's it's like you're not there's no such thing as a clean slate really but it's clean enough yes where you can you know you it's almost like a fresh start where it's Mm -hmm. like hey if you're if you're starting now you know ninth grade we start the goal setting, the projection, right. the ideas, yeah. what what might you want? How mm-hmm. how can we start working towards those things? Yeah. How do you 
what grades or what classes do you need to take right. for those types of programs? Right. And so, I mean, there's there's, there's so, so much. much. There's so much. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I usually much. start them off with goal settings, as yes. you said. Mm-hmm. And then we go into resume building and mm-hmm. making sure they can – communication skills is important. How can you interview presenting yourself well to colleges? Because you do have to go through that process. Mm-hmm. And then understanding the whole college process, essay writing, recommendation letters – um, SATs, mm-hmm. ACTs, those are very important still, even though a lot of schools are not too key on it anymore, but it's still important. Yeah. And then, of course, the financial piece. And if you're an athlete, the recruitment piece, you need a recruitment video. If you're a tennis athlete, NCAA, UTR, US, so mm-hmm. many rating systems. You, It's insane when you think about it, but that's why I'm here, to f- give you a roadmap and help you get there. I, you know, I, I'm just thinking back to to the beginning of your story or at kind of at the beginning where he said you went to your guidance counselor and they said he said you need to have a resume uh-huh. and it's just so funny how that it comes full circle yeah, like yeah. here you are you're like okay so he told me to have a resume, resume. It, but now it's actually you need a resume you yeah. need this you need yeah. that you need the third so yeah. um just sort of bringing that whole process full circle and making it again tangible for people to understand right. that there's so much more that mm-hmm. goes into this than mm-hmm. just uh, you know applying, applying yeah. you know filling out an application and and that's that so yeah. and you can apply but you probably won't get the best results right or the enough money and then you have to pay out of pocket which nobody wants nobody to wants and there you know <laughs> there is strategy to it yes. that's basically you know what you're teaching is like there is strategy but the strategy is playing the long game right, as well right. we got to start at this point uh-huh. to be able to get to that point. Yep, definitely. Uh, exactly. Um, okay, so let's kind of, so we've sort of gone through the breakdown. Mm-hmm. We know the story that led into you building all of the powerhouse things that you're building right now. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about um, sort of the, the learning curve or, in the, or the learning process in mm-hmm. building and developing programs like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to kind of like leave it broad and open for oh, you there. You give me some questions. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I mean, bro, I, can, I could go on and on. So maybe you should give I can, me. Yeah, yeah. I can guide, I can guide, <laughs> guide it a little bit a more. Little, yes. Okay. So I, I'm specifically thinking about the decision-making steps mm-hmm. to, you know, from the point of like deciding to build something like this mm-hmm. to, you know, what, what, what were really the steps that it took for you to say, Hey, like, I'm going to, I'm going to build this business with this intention and Mm -hmm. this trajectory. Like, what did that look like? That's the learning curve that I'm, that I'm looking for. That that was helpful. (laughs) I would have gone off tangent (laughs) without that. Okay. So pretty much, um, as I said, I first started to think hard about it. Um, Actually, my first my first real job, which was working at with the NJTL. Mm-hmm. So I started to at the NJTL. What I did was I I was in, in charge of the program department. So I was creating curriculums, okay. writing um, writing grants, uh, going out to schools and and recruiting kids for the program. Okay. So when I got there, the program was doing okay. They were at I think. Um, 
1,500 kids. Um, but I was like, I need to do more. There was so much more to do in this town. So I would go to... Um, go to You've always had that fire, yes. too. <laughs> um, some, things were, some things are always... Uh, I can't be... Yeah, <laughs> mediocre is not... That's not my thing. That is a fire that burns inside of you. Some yes. people, you know, need to figure out how to make the fire, which is <laughs> totally, you know, totally cool, too. But some people are born with that. Always and, a fire. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's not always great, but in this case, it's good. Yeah. Um, um, so I would go to high uh, high school, middle schools, elementary school principals and just sit with them and bug them until and tell them about the program because we will have tennis programs, education programs and other opportunities. And me, you, I, again, I started to use myself as mm-hmm. an example. I'm like, well, I went to school in this town. I was that kid a few years ago mm. this is where i am now this is where this kid can be in a few in a few years right. and so people it it up they bought into it because it's true they right. were like wow this is a great example for our kids so they started to buy in and before i knew it i started to get more more schools involved and by the time i left that organization we were at 1700 kids wow i'm sorry 2700 kids whoa it went from 1500 to 2700 we were in over 30 schools it was it was and i thought wait this is something this means something Mm -hmm. right the passion i have for this type of work is very important so i started to think about it but i didn't have enough experience to really think about my own i knew i needed to explore more more. So okay. as I moved to New York, I got more in, um, a larger understanding of running a business. Okay. Um, New York actually helped me understand because I was given the opportunity to run my own site. Uh-huh. So it was like everything was budget, everything I had to do. So totally then I started to get a lot more detail on how to run a business. And when I got involved with the girls and trying to figure out whether the girls were getting enough opportunities versus the boys, then I thought maybe Maybe I should just create a Facebook, okay. um, like a Facebook page and just start posting and using what I've learned, like creating curriculums to to teach, just teach that mm-hmm. way. Um, so it's I actually started a little earlier than 2019. I started I created a Facebook group and just started to post things. And then in the back end, I started to create curriculums related to what I was thinking. So like the preparing girls for co- um, preparing girls to be productive women, creating curriculums around that and of course in the nonprofit world there are a lot of opportunities there are a lot of organizations that can partner with you um, to help you like the Women's Sports Foundation they're actually here in New York I learned a lot from the Women's Sports Foundation and what they're doing for girls as well Mm -hmm. so using their curriculum understanding how to teach girls to become productive uh, really made me feel like okay I can do this I can totally start something small and then work my way up so that's really how the planning process process started I just I worked off of what I was already doing Mm -hmm. because I was really what I'm doing now is exactly what I was doing before it's just now it's my own thing so I kind of just worked off my knowledge from my regular job and like pushed it into the vision I had specifically Awesome. Yeah, that's, you know, again, kind of using what you have, using Mm -hmm. what you know to Mm -hmm. then build off of that. Um, I think that's great, though, that you it there was that progression there that, you know, you were getting those skills and Mm -hmm. you were kind of seeing how the play out of a business, how it could work. And you're like, wait a second, I can do do this, too. Like, I actually can see what the pieces are here. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, you were running your own site. So then it was all 
yours, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah your calls call. at least. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So that's, you know, it's so interesting because some people, um, you know, they have, they have that build up experience. Mm-hmm. Some people, it's just like a total. Yeah. You have to start from free, scratch. Yep. Just, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take off and see yeah. what happens. So I just like to, like to kind of see how that development yeah. happens well I, I did do a lot of research as well mm-hmm. so it, even though I had the experience I had to research how to sustain a business mm-hmm. right how to right. Uh, manage a business and also of course you can't you can never do anything on your own right. you can there is always room to learn yeah. so I got involved in other organizations as well as I became um, way before I started the business I was on the U- United States Senate Association board okay. as their vice um was it development vice president of development or something of that kind and so i did a lot of volunteer work so i volunteer on a lot of different boards to understand how to do a strategic plan for your Mm -hmm. business how to create a goals how to create visions and mission you can't just get up and randomly start something without a vision otherwise you'll just be picking up of what others are doing yeah so like the strategic planning understanding that really helped me put my business plan together um yeah so it's it's more everybody have a different path like some people just have the vision and they want to go with it without the experience and they learn on the way Mm -hmm. um but it's important to put together our business plan right you can't just start something you can but you will probably fall off sooner than later because you don't really have a tangible goal right there's no guidance there if you don't Mm -hmm. have a plan like you said like the vision Mm -hmm. you know you can you can have a vision but if you don't have a plan set in place then you will fall off you're right exactly or you will pick up of other people's ideas Mm -hmm. and end up not knowing who you are right that's really true yeah wow okay so um we are actually getting to the uh winding down a little bit and getting to the end of the podcast uh where we've already talked about it a little bit but mm-hmm. i want to bring in the purpose piece and mm-hmm. really kind of uh pick your brain a little bit more about yeah. purpose and what that means to you so um you have brought in passion mm-hmm. and how tennis you know you realized very early on that it was something you were passionate about um you said that it was also your purpose and i just yeah. i want to i want to dig in there mm-hmm. um and just understand a little bit more about what purpose is to you and mm-hmm. then sort of bring everything full circle how you've how you've used that and what you've done yeah so for me um like of course I didn't understand purpose when all of this was happening I just thought Mm -hmm. it was something I like to do Mm -hmm. but as I got older and started to mentor others I realized that uh, purpose is something that of course comes naturally to you Mm -hmm. it's something that um others see as as difficult or hard and you just find it to be very very easy I like that and that's what happened with me like going to schools talking about um, building young people was something I enjoyed so much this is something my colleagues will pass on to me Mm -hmm. because they didn't want to do that part (laughs) they just wanted to stay in the office and I was excited Mm -hmm. to run tournaments to run events and speak to parents and I was it was it was like not like work so I realized purpose is something that is not work Mm -hmm. that you can do 24 7 um and still feel like you have more energy to do i love it um and that's what really that's what i realized purpose is and that's why i was able to continue to push and create multiple uh programs multiple organizations around the same vision because Mm -hmm. there there's just so much there are more avenues i saw opening as i created one there was another avenue that opened and it's that's what purpose is and i i strongly believe in god and i believe that when you are 
um, centered. Uh, mm. Purpose is something. Its purpose is an alignment to God. It is something that aligns you and makes and and allows God to work through you because we're all put in this. We all have purpose. We're all put on this earth to fulfill something, mm-hmm. right? So. If you wake up in the morning, that means you are supposed to fulfill something on this earth. So it's something we should not take for granted. You know, waking up in the morning, like, oh, whatever. That, that means God still has a plan for you and there's a purpose you need to fulfill. So whenever you, for me personally, whenever I'm closer to God, I see the alignment mm-hmm. happening. I see myself aligning into things that I would never imagine. Right. And so and like you said, my story really now that I'm even speaking to you, I'm is is a little shocking to me because I know my story and I've heard it before and I've talked about it before. But the way you've put it make makes me understand that wow, this really is like a like a circle. Like from the time yeah. I was born to where I am now was all aligned. It was all a plan. So this just proves that God has a plan for us. And every experience we go through is a it's part of the plan. Yeah. Right? So even some difficult times and some things that are not so great, like losing my father, at that point in time I didn't see it as a great, you know, as a purpose building experience, but it led to me my drive. It mm-hmm. led to my passion. It led to me pushing harder. Because who knows, maybe I was babied by my father. Maybe I would have been lazier with him right. being around. Right. Like, oh get- daddy's girl, I don't need to do much. He can do whatever but not with him not being there i had to push that a passion came over me mm-hmm. that would not have happened probably if he was around so every negative experience <clears throat> builds you it takes you to the next level and um, it aligns you with what god has planned for you yes thank you so much that was a, a beautiful answer a beautiful definition i got thank chills you. in there i mean <laughs> uh genuine and, and you know we've we've said it over and over but it really like i said hearing your story like you reiterated Mm -hmm. you you see that that circular Mm -hmm. piece how everything in your life has brought you here and it's all you know that waking up every day if you're here Mm -hmm. it it means you have something to fulfill and i i love that piece that you brought to it because whether or not you are someone who is spiritual or religious Mm -hmm. There is a reason. reason yeah. There is a reason. And there I is. think that, you know, regardless of who's listening and what their, you know, denomination might yeah. be, if anything, mm-hmm. um, you're here for a reason. Yeah. And everything that you said resonates so much with um, my own sort of crafted definition of purpose, which mm-hmm. I have um, spoke to my listeners about, which is passion meets people mm-hmm. uh, or the people can be, you know, anything transcendent or out th- outside yourself. So it mm-hmm. could be nature, it could be animals. Yeah. But when your passion, when you have that fire inside of you for mm-hmm. something and you can do that thing for 20, 24 mm-hmm. hours a day, seven days a week, yeah. how to bring that to others right. so they can experience it in the same way that you experience it. And right. so, um, you know, just with the programs that you've developed, it's so clear mm-hmm. that that's what you've done um, and that you're continuing to fulfill that purpose and yeah. that that meaning in your life. So um, thank you for thank everything you so that you're doing and for thank bringing you. that definition. I think you really brought some power um, with with those words for sure. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so we are getting to the very end. Um, This is where we'll do a rapid fire round. Sure. Super quick, this or that, just for fun. Okay. Um, And then I will give you the opportunity to say, um, leave our listeners with any 
final words you'd like to, mm-hmm. let them know where they can find you and we'll close it out. Sure. All right. So uh, rapid fire round. I said we're talking about three things. We sh- for sure hit on development, decision making and dedication to purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to bring it back in the this rapid fire round. So the first one is development. Currently, are you working more on personal development or professional development? Uh, I think both, I would say. Uh, I think they they go hand in hand. They do. Without personal development, mm-hmm. you cannot be, <laughs> it's like you can't pour out and not have someone else pour into you. It's so, so true. I'm definitely working on both. I see if I can like trick guests into giving me one or the other. <laughs> not <laughs> no. that it's a trick. You can definitely be working on one more than the other, but they do I, go hand in hand. I would say I'm working on more personal development currently yeah, currently okay yeah. I mean, it's the Got new it. year you know it's I the start you. of the year mm-hmm. you want to build yourself have enough fuel before you can actually give it out yes so, definitely. <laughs> i like that yeah. okay um the next one decision making do you feel like you make more of your decisions based on choice or guiding voice choice meaning you your definitive uh numbers girl you kind of just go with what you know mm-hmm. uh, guiding voice can be spirituality gut feeling anything else of the sort that sort of pulls you to decisions definitely guiding voice guiding voice yes, yes. i i'm a very not, i won't say religious spiritual person i i'm a prayerful person mm-hmm. of course coming from a home of both pastors but also i have my own relationship with god so everything i do has to be clear like it has to be confirmed mm-hmm. I, I don't Beautiful. make decisions just based on numbers i make decisions based on where i'm driven mm-hmm. my gut feeling that you know that random random co- coincidence or circumstance that makes me see oh this is actually a confirmation from god I love that. I love that you said it has to be confirmed. I think that's a really uh, beautiful way to put that. Yeah. Okay, the last one, dedication to purpose. Um, do you feel like that is a singular moment in time or a daily practice? Um, it's a daily practice, definitely. There is. <laughs> if anyone says it's a singular, <laughs> like, please let me know how you're doing it. It is a daily practice because all of what you do, I mean, if it's purposeful, it's yeah. not gonna. You're not always going to like it. You're not yeah. always going to want to work with that client or right. wake up in the morning or do wh- whatever it is. You might have the passion for it, but it takes work. It takes intentionality. You have to be intentional mm-hmm. about what you're doing, and intentional will get you to your purpose and will help you um, become more successful in what you're doing. But definitely it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a daily practice. It's a daily practice. Got it. You have to build yourself every day. (laughs) Tell yourself every day. Yes. You got to, you can do it. That's it. Yeah. This is, this is what you're here for. This is what you got. Yeah. It's almost like you got to pump yourself up. Right. And especially the days you don't want to do it. You Mm -hmm. have to say you, it's okay. You can do it. (laughs) Yeah. Just get up one day at a time, one hour at a time and just get there. Just start doing something and then you'll get into it. So true. Okay, we have reached uh, the very end. I want to give you the floor one last, or give you the mic one last yeah, time. Sure. Um, leave listeners with whatever you want to leave them with as final words, and also let us know where they can find you. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was really great. I'm I'm really glad to be here. Um, overall, really, as we've we've spoken about everything I I do and everything I'm about, um, but what I want to leave I parents more is mm-hmm. um, to understand that. 
even if you're in a difficult situation, if you have multiple children or even if you have one child and you're struggling and you're overwhelmed and you don't know how to help your child, um, there is always another way. There is always someone you can you can contact. Try not to do things on your own mm-hmm. because we're put on this earth not to be alone um, and we cannot succeed by ourselves. So um, if there's anyone in your, in your neighborhood, in your community, your church, um, wherever you are, there has to be somebody that you can speak to and just try to be vulnerable a little bit to people because a lot of parents I speak to are so overprotective because they've gone through so much they Mm -hmm. need to protect their children they need to protect their information Um, and that's okay but also if you protect yourself too much and you don't let others in there is no one there is no way anyone can know that you need help so definitely wherever you are find somebody to confide in Mm -hmm. and find an organization to to have your children participate in or speak to somebody in the school I know there are so many good people out there that are looking to help young people progress mm-hmm. and succeed so um, definitely open up a little bit and know that your child can do it too no matter the circumstance no matter what you're going through if I can get through it anybody can get through it I know that for a fact so um, continue to stay encouraged continue to know that you're doing the best you can as a parent and that is all going to be okay just continue to push a little more Thank you so much. That was a great way to end it. Um, I hope everyone really hears those words and the power in them. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Michelle, just let everyone know where they can find you. So I am on all social media platforms. Um, it's Mich- at Michelle Balama. So it's G-B-E-L-A-M-A. It's not Obama. <laughs> <laughs> so Mich- at Michelle, G-B-E-L-A-M-A. Um, you can find me on my website, sheleadsports.com um, or weleadsports.org. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also email me at info at sheleadsports.com. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, even TikTok now, I think. <laughs> I don't, don't go on TikTok. <laughs> Just look for me on Facebook and Instagram. You don't want to see what's on TikTok. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so email, um, usually it's easy for me, uh, info at sheleesports.com or info at wheeliesports.org. Great. And I will be sure to put all of that information into the show notes as well and into my posts. So if you would like to um see Michelle, find out a little bit more about what she's doing, what her programs are, um, want to reach out to her, then you will have all that information there for you. Great. Michelle Balama, everyone. Thank, thank you, you thank so, you so, so much. much. I really appreciate you. Genuinely. Um, thank you. And as I end all my podcasts, until next time, let this be the moment. <laughs>